11 years later, everything is ours. We own everything. All the money in the bank is ours. All the stock in the warehouse is ours. You know, we're totally self-sufficient. Hello, this is Felix Tia. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. On this episode, we go to Utrecht to the studios of Bitten Design, where a three-person team is creating unique and iconic products that you can find in shops all over the world. And the person bringing you their story is Shopify's Schwang Esther Shan. Welcome back, Schwang. Hey, Felix. So what drew you to Bitten? I got gifted uh, a planter in a shape of a dinosaur, and it's just so different and yet functional. So I had to find out who actually made this planter. Um, so I found out that it was made by Bitten Design. And um, when I was traveling, I would also see their designs in shops internationally. So I kind of had to find out how does the three-person team do so much, create the items, manufacture it, and have so many relationships with different shops and retailers all over the world. So I traveled to Utrecht and got to chat with Deanna Paces and El Cattell two of the founders of Bitten Design. Mm. And when you visited them in their headquarters, what was the feel of the, the place when you, when you stepped into it? Utrecht is the quieter and quaint cousin of Amsterdam. You still got the beautiful canals and medieval buildings, but it's also packed with creative businesses like Bitten. Once I entered their workspace, I can see a giant shelf filled with different planters that they made in the past cupboards filled with different items that they have 3D printed or old prototypes. I almost feel like there's two compartments to their space, the creative work side, and then there's also the comfortable conversation side where they can sit down and just like chat with each other. Mm. What was their reasoning for starting a business? Um, for them is actually really interesting. They were in the gifting industry working for um, different corporations before, and they actually talk about how they decided to leave those jobs. It's a love story. I'm not sure you'd like it. I, I love love stories. Okay. Well, um, we met through work. I used to work for a company uh, and Deanna worked for the same company. She worked in Holland, I worked in England. Uh, and we met at various management meetings and things like that. So that's how we got to know each other and we fell in love. Deanna didn't want to move to London. So Elle moved to the Netherlands, but then Elle started working for a competitor. And when Deanna's bosses found out, they fired her. They were very upset that, uh, that she was basically sleeping with the enemy, the enemy is how they described it. And I basically said, well, why don't you come and work with, with me at the company that I was working at then? And she came over to work with us. In that company, we were also lucky enough to find Yoss, who has actually popped out to come get everyone some lunch at the moment. <laughs> and we all got on well. We all had a different skill set. And we all realised that we were making a lot of money for other people. So... Deanna, Elle, and their partner, Yoss Reinders, broke off on their own, and Bin Design was born. Yoss handles the running details and that kind of thing. Deanna, she thinks nothing about the running details, and she just designs things uh, that she likes. That I like. I mean, because we're a small company, we have no rules about what we can make or what we can't make. So if, if we like pink elephants, we can make pink elephants. If we like... Uh, 
Blue ceramic knives, we can make blue ceramic knives. It really is up to us and what we like and what we feel is on trend at that moment. Sounds pretty ideal, doesn't it? Fall in love, start a business, become your own boss, and make whatever you want. In hindsight, it's easy to feel like it was the right choice. But at the time, they had just left their stable jobs, and they were about to bet it all on Bitten. It was really <laughs> scary. Yes. Uh, Especially we, as we started, we started off, off and we had to make products. And to do that, it takes money because, you know, if you make a, a plastic item, for example, which we made quite a lot of in the early days, um, you know, just the mold costs before you even make one could be $10,000. So we were spending money quite quickly. Um, one of our customers, who is big, still a big customer now in Hong Kong, they asked us to take them out to dinner and we went to a, quite an expensive restaurant and they racked up a really massive bill. And we, as a company, didn't even have the money to cover it. The first fair we did in Hong Kong, and we thought, oh, we're going to sell for millions. And, you know, we didn't. <laughs> and then we thought, what are we doing? Should we go back and get it, jobs? That was the most expensive fair we've ever done as well. We built and a beaut we thought, oh, God, everyone's going to love it. And we're going to make this amazing, beautiful stand. And we, we built this really nice stand with like a, a wave roof. And it was so, so nice. Everybody looked at it and went, thought, oh, you're too expensive. oh you, you must be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that, that was the lesson that we learned from really from the yeah. first show that we did. Ever since then, we really pared everything back in Hong Kong to make it look... Um... Approachable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not necessarily approachable, just uh, like not. Th th yeah, that we weren't, uh, I don't know, billionaires with a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, things were quite tight at certain times for us financially, but, you know, with uh, risk also comes the reward. And we were fortunate enough to be able to make a good plan, stick to it, and see it through and develop our company into what it is today. And what was their plan? Well, it started in Hong Kong. We had worked before in Asia yeah. and in China and in Hong Kong, so we didn't go in there like Blind. bl blindly. Um, and we started in Hong Kong because we knew that we didn't have enough money to have a warehouse and have, and, or even buy all of the stock, all of the products that we were making. They started developing Bitten's first products, and at the same time, they were designing products for other brands and working as a trading company so that they had an alternative revenue stream while they were building up Bitten. Everything in Hong Kong works on FOB, which means freight on board. So they would ask for a deposit from the customer. They would pay that deposit to the factory who makes the products. Then they put it in a container, and the customer would then have to pay for the remainder of the bill before the ship arrived in their country. Because we did that from Hong Kong, our financial risk was much lower. I mean, we obviously take the risk of developing products and making testing and doing all those sort of things for them so that they comply with whichever country they're going to be sold in. Um, but our actual financial um, exposure after that, after we've made the product, was very, very minimal. It's also worth mentioning that they started Bitten on their own savings alone. 
no banks, no investors. Now we're in 2019, 11 years later, everything is ours. We own everything. All the money in the bank is ours. All the stock in the warehouse is ours. Um, yeah, you know, we're totally self-sufficient. European sales have grown year over year ever since they've launched. They create 30 to 40 new items every single year and sell them in over 45 countries. But there's something about seeing their items out in the real world that never gets old. You see your things there and then you see a customer off the shop pick it up and hold it and wanting to buy it. I remember that we had once yeah. as well. And I was like, oh, can I take a picture of you buying our product? Because <laughs> <laughs> even though you know you're selling it, because you know, you've got figures and you've got all the maths things that you're selling it and people are reordering, actually seeing the end customer holding your product with a smile and going, oh, I want to buy it. You're like, yes. Since Bitten mostly sells their products through other retailers, it's sometimes hard for the end customer to connect those products back to their brand. So their Shopify store is more like a portfolio where they can feature all of their products in one place. We're not relying that on our, as, as our income stream, but we are relying on it as basically a source of advertising, a portfolio, um, a, a lookbook. When we look at how many um, visitors we have on a daily basis on, on Shopify, I'm always really quite surprised. <laughs> and... You know, we know that we have a lot of shops will email us and say, OK, yeah, we've just looked on Shopify, you've got these new products, so can, we, can we order these? And we'll say, yeah, no problem. I think what fascinates me is I want to know, how do you know if something will resonate with someone else? Because, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, it's a great idea to turn um, a planter into a dinosaur. Um, but how do you know if everyone else in the world will also like dinosaur planters? We travel a lot. We see, we see a lot of things. We, you know, we go to a lot of gift fairs that we exhibit at, so we see what other companies are doing. Um, for example, we exhibit as a company in Hong Kong. Whatever we sell in Hong Kong won't be in the shops in whichever country in the world for another probably nine months. So you know, we're working in front of what the general public see when, when they go shopping. I've, I always say it's a gut feeling. You, it's what you hear, what you see, what, it's the news, it's the music, it's the art. It's a bit like, we sometimes work with external designers and they are like, oh, what are you missing from your collection? And I'm like, but if I knew what I was missing, I would have already designed it. Because, you know, it's, it's... But creativity is only part of what makes Bitten work. Not all good creative ideas are good business ideas, too. Everyone can have a great idea. And I truly believe that almost everyone can have a great idea. But making the idea reality, that's the, trick. that's the tricky part. You know, one of our products being able to make, we made a mustache pacifier. You know, when I, it was like when everyone first started with Movember, and I was like, oh, we can make a baby pacifier. And then Jos and Al were like, pacifier, baby? Yeah. I wanted to stay away because for me, there's a lot of laws to do with pacifiers in different countries and everyone's got a different set of rules and it's a baby product. So you have to be super, super careful because you can't um, let anything go wrong. You know, you're entrusting it with to the most important thing in your life. And then we made a mock-up, a 3D print, uh -huh. and it looked amazing. And we showed it to one of our biggest customers and he fell in love with it. 
And then it took us another year and a half. A year, a year and a half to actually make it to comply to all the rules. And we could do that because the three of us had the knowledge and had the experience and know where to go and know what to ask and know specifications about plastics and rubbers and machines and um you know although I I must be honest that I think if it wasn't for yours or Al we wouldn't have I would have had the idea and then it would have it wouldn't have made it as a product it's a fun business because we make fun items but ne- nevertheless it is a business there are products that I do because I know they need to be done like um say we have a huggable range a few of them behind you and I know that you know every year I need to make a new design for it is that totally free and artistic and no but on the other hand i then also you know we make new items that have never been made so i think it needs to be a balance and then slowly you know that you know you need to make something that are crowd pleasers and then you have also the time where you can you know freak out and you know think of something totally new that you haven't done before i mean between myself the animal and yoss we have nearly 70 years of experience working in the gift industry. So, you know, we have a lot behind us to fall back on. So, for example, Jos, because he, he does a lot, deals with a lot of our logistics and that sort of thing, when we make an item and it's uh, six foot long and, and uh, six inches wide, he says, what the hell is this? We're never going to be able to ship it. You can't do it. Because he knows that that's going to be a problem for us. He also knows that when we make things that are slightly too fragile and he'll say, you know, you can't do that. We need to bulk it up a little bit or change it so that it has a bit more durability. So we're all sitting together and we're all talking together all the time. And I think that's really what makes it work for us um, because our communication is all so open. This is so exciting. So basically this is, it's a little glass item with a wooden base. So Elle and Deanna showed me one of their best-selling items. It's a little glass barometer in the shape of a cloud. So when the weather changes, the inside... Flakes change shape. ...changes, so it makes like little snowflakes. Like a lot of bin items, it's cute and useful, and you can gift it to almost anyone in your life. From a colleague, you know, who has a nice desk, to your dad, to your uncle, to your boyfriend, to it's, it's, it's everyone loves it. We are not in a niche market, because for that we need to produce too many of something. But we are also not in a mass production market, because everything that we make is our own and is unique. And we make the molds for everything. And we, um, so we kind of, yeah, it's hard to say, but we kind of try to... Mm-hmm. find our balance. We're, we are in the middle. I mean, we're quite happy just to be sat in the middle, able to design whatever we want and make whatever we want. And we don't have to think, we need a kitchen item. We need this, or this is going to be the thing that completes our range and makes it perfect because we, we do what we like. They mostly get to do what they like. Sometimes they'll run into patents. A while back, they made a contact lens holder in the shape of vintage sunglasses, sort of like Ray-Bans. And they were selling really well until they found out that there's an American company that had a patent on any contact lens holder with oval receptacles. 
And you think, well, who, who gives these? Who gives someone a patent? Because that's basically every single contact lens holder in the world. Because it's it's for contact lenses. You can't have sharp edges. We were made aware of this, um, and they basically wanted us to pay them. We we looked at their patent and we said, okay, the sunglasses we made were kind of looked, looked a bit like Ray Bans, so they were sort of slightly squarish, and our the receptacle wasn't an oval or a circle. And you know, we spoke to a lawyer, and he said, yeah, definitely not an oval or a circle. <laughs> um, yeah, you can win this. Now, all it's going to take maybe four or five hundred thousand dollars. It's going to take two to three years, but we can win. Jeez. When we heard that number, we thought, wow, we're perfectly happy not to sell that item in America anymore and live without the stress of, of a lawsuit like that could drag on for years and be really expensive. Um, so, yeah, you know, there are things that we will fight for um, when people copy us or try to um, use our designs. And there are things that we will we'll just say, OK, that's not for us. We still, by the way, sell that contact lens holder pretty successfully in the rest of the world. <laughs> what I have a problem is, is bigger companies that look at smaller companies or middle companies or creatives and then just take their idea and copy it one to one and then mass produce it. Have you guys um, had issues with that where, you know, there's larger companies who have senior designs? And copied and them, co yes. Being copied all copied, the time. Yes, all the time. Totally. Really? We're, we're, we don't go a single year without a lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, we, we for example, <clears throat> we've mentioned the moustache pacifier. We, we own a worldwide patent for that. But if you go and look on the internet and you type in moustache pacifier, you can find a load of copies. So, you know, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? We don't have the resources or the real will to want to spend our lives in, a, in what is really a negative way. Mm. So what's next? Do you guys have plans or goals that you feel like you want to hit for the next 2020 visionary year? For me, I think it's get more brand awareness as for people that know our brand. So people go, oh, you're bitten. Oh, wow. That, you know. For my side of things, of what we want to do next year is there are certain countries and shop chains that we'd like to do better and do more in and that, that I think would be a really good fit for our products and, and and what we do. So grow, but naturally grow. It's not that someone is going to come here and say, right, I've got 100,000, right, we're going to push to do this and this and this and this and this. We don't want to try and do too much, which we've seen other companies do and basically fail because of it. Okay, before we close off, I do want to ask, I'm actually very fascinated about partners who are life and business partners. So I would love to hear what you guys would say, like, you know, what's the one thing that has allowed you guys to be able to have this dual relationship? Don't take it home. Don't with take you. it home. I, 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 yeah. I take it home. I, Deanna take it home. Take it home. I, I don't take it home. So when we go home together and she says something about work, unless it's important in my mind, not that I will blank her, but I'm, you know. <laughs> don't make it all about work. Before you started working together, if you were, if you like going to movies and festivals or just, you know, having a nice cup of wine together, keep doing that and keep thinking of the people, you know. Well, you but know, then on the other we, hand, we you still do have, it. we've been dating for 15 years, 16 years, 15, I say. <laughs> a long enough time. And we still have date night. 
the people who are closest to you, I find, you know, you also not irritate you the more, but you show your true self. So when you are frustrated or angry, I'll show it to Al first. And then, you know, then I've thought about it. And I'm half Greek, so I'm quite emotional. And, you know, I'm not very tactical always in how I say things, but I don't mean it like that. But, you know, my heart is on my sleeve or how you say that in uh, English. But then, you know, then I, if maybe if Al was just a colleague, uh, you know, a friend, colleague, I would maybe before I... Oh, if I, we weren't I, living together, you'd have been sacked by now. No, but I would have... <laughs> I would have sacked him. Maybe I would have thought about it one second more. But, you know, the, police, the people who are closest to you, you are the most e- honest. Yeah, it's it's ma- much easier to say what you do. I mean, I think the, the thing that really tests your relationship is you're 24-7 with someone. Mm-hmm. And that can... You know, then little things can wind you up. Yeah. You know, we've all got habits that that the other one doesn't like. Hey. That's sorry, that's a Shopify order. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was... <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> We're quite lucky as well in in what we do. Is you know, I go and visit customers when I go travel lots of different places. So I'm, we're not. Constantly with each other together. all the time every day 24 hours a day and and when you miss each other when we get back it's you know it's not it's always nice to be home and back together thanks for joining me on my trek to you trek for another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. I'm Shwang Esther Shan, and if you have any thoughts on these special episodes for Shopify Masters, leave us a review wherever you're listening and we'll read them all. Felix is going to be back next week with another great conversation with a Shopify merchant, so look out for that. Until next time.